Kia ora. Welcome to Microwave Feminism, a podcast where I explore in conversation with others what feminism means to us and how the personal is made political, as my guests share their personal experiences with feminism and politicization, and of course, what it's like to be a badass feminist. No mai, haere mai, welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Kia ora, welcome back. In this episode, my friend Tom joined me in the microwave. We talked gender diversity, relationship anarchy, cutting toxic people out of your life, open communication, and so much more. It was a authentically vulnerable, deep conversation, and hopefully will provide you with as many yummy vibes as we had <laughs> during the recording. Before we get into the episode, I have some exciting news. So this episode is the last one of the first collection or season, if you will, of microwave feminism. Because it started out as a university project, I've decided um, a shift in the direction for the upcoming seasons or waves of episodes is in order. So make sure you're following along on Instagram at micro underscore wave underscore feminism for the exciting moves in future episodes. Alrighty, on with the show. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Let's start at the very beginning. Who are you? Oh, that's such a, such a good question. I, I'm Tom. Hi. Hi. I am... See, I even thought about how I was going to answer this question, and now it's all just like... It's all going. <laughs> I am passionate about helping uh, other people become the best versions or better versions of themselves. I work in, in youth development and have like a long history of volunteering in youth development. Mm. I am a gender. I was raised and socialised male for my early life. Mm. I am a relationship anarchist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh, there's, there's, there's so much more, but we'll, we'll, leave it, we'll leave it there for now. Okay. My next question is, what are you passionate about? So give us something else that you haven't already touched on. Uh, I'm passionate about self-improvement as well. Mm. I am passionate about making the world a better place. I am passionate about people being able to, like, live their true authentic lives mm. and I guess we're, we're, yeah when, when I think about what I'm passionate about in those spaces I, I am a big believer in everything being a, a systems thing rather than individual people thing and so I'm passionate about like creating systems and structures that work for everyone. Mm. Yeah. How does that usually manifest in you in your life and with your people? It often manifests in getting frustrated with the current systems that we have <laughs> in, in terms of like with with people, I guess it's about communicating with people and understanding what people are are after, what is what is going to be good for people, mm. and also being like really clear for me what it is that I am after. And mm. yeah, but it's, it's about communication and like almost an approach of like radical honesty with communication and just being really open and upfront about everything. I don't know if that really ties into the system thing that I was talking about. It kind of does. The, the link, I guess, is that 
when you are trying to create systems that work for people, you need to think about people from all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of wants and desires. And what that often means is that to have like a system that works for everyone, you need a system that's going to be super flexible and allow yeah. and empower everyone to to be their true authentic selves. Yeah. That feels like the, the word that's coming to my mind is like intentionality, like just being really, really hyper intentional with the things you do and how they work in your life and what you want from them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess for me that almost goes without saying is like yeah whatever you're doing you should you should be doing it yeah and you should be like present in what you're doing and you should be doing things on purpose rather than just like going based on assumptions whether they your assumptions or someone else's assumptions yeah um and yet yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so simple and mm. yet beautiful okay and my um my final leading question why are you here today what has brought you into the tent in my bedroom on this quirky little podcast there's there's two parts to it right there's there's the narcissistic part which is that that i i as i said before was was socialized male and i come from a really privileged background and i'm white which means that i i have a lot of opinions and obviously everyone else needs to hear them Um, (laughs) no i i think from like I, I I love I love this podcast. It's it's one of my favorites. We were talking before we started recording about like the the sound quality and just like those little bits of attention to detail. So I love the podcast. I wanted to see the microwave in person. Um, I also think that like being being a gender, being a relationship anarchist, any even just like being being socialized male, I can maybe bring a view to this podcast that most of your guests haven't really had, mm. and hopefully that that's something that can can maybe resonate with with other people Mm. um yeah for me growing up just wasn't even aware of things like being agender certainly not aware of things like relationship anarchy like even polyamory in like a broader sense was only something that was it was never like a mainstream or even remotely mainstream kind of thing it was it was yeah something you only heard about in like weird culty ways yeah yeah yeah, let's get into that. So, what does what does gender mean to you? What does a gender mean to you? And then I'll ask my third question. <laughs> That's enough, actually. I've like I was going to pile on another one. <laughs> Tom is wearing a top that says "feminist as fuck." Just by the way, so he has dressed for the occasion. This was this was uh, a slightly conscious choice, but it was it's also just one of my favourite t-shirts. It's really it. it's really comfortable. We love it. <laughs> um, right, what is what does gender mean to me? I think labels are really interesting. A while ago, a few years ago, I I was like in a quite anti-label phase where I, I felt like labels were just like exclusively used to put people in boxes and make bad assumptions and I think I've, I've mellowed on that view just like a little bit mm. where I think labels can be really powerful as a form of empowerment and so if you find a label that connects you to a community of people or to an idea that maybe you didn't have the words for before that can be really powerful and really important but a lot of the time we end up using labels to put people into boxes and to try to say that if you know if you are this thing you have to be all of these other things as well Mm. and that can be really unhealthy and when I think about gender I I think about that and I think about in the same way I think about a lot of other labels where it's for some people, it can be really empowering, but I think for like a lot of the time, the way that people think about gender is really just another way to put people in 
boxes. Yeah. And so when I think about myself being agender, that's kind of about saying a big fuck you to that yeah. <laughs> and, and kind of stepping outside of this, n- not just outside of the gender binary, but kind of the, the construct of gender norms at all. Yeah. So that's, that's, I guess, what gender and, like, being agender mean to me. And agender is still, it's it's the least worst label for, yeah. for me, I guess. Like, because yeah. cause non-binary is kind of saying, like, oh, hey, there's this binary, but I'm outside of it. And I think that, that doesn't speak to me. I'm not not saying that that's what non-binary people actually think. Like, but that's yeah. that's why I didn't go with that label. Whereas agender is more like, I think that this, this whole system is, like, a flawed premise in the first place. So it's not that I'm outside of that. It's that that's not really good way to summarize the wonderfully diverse spectrum of of what gender is yeah yeah so what does that mean for so feminism typically has been aligned with womanhood femininity kind of comes in the title and how do you how do you i guess interpret like your position in that movement in terms of gender, yeah, I, I, I think that that is where like the foundation of feminism. I, th- I think that feminism's evolved yeah. over time, and that most feminists now would would talk about feminism as being this idea that everyone should be able to live their their lives and and should have equity, basically, and and that's across all genders. And similar to like the Black Lives Matter movement, that you know, it's it's in the name is focusing on black people, but it's it's about equity for everyone. But it's paying attention to the area that has kind of the the biggest mm. issues, right? Yeah. And feminism has has historically been paying attention to the area that's had the biggest issues, which is women's rights. And I think that it has now evolved, and maybe the name is slightly misleading. I certainly, I think, as a as a young teenager was misled by the name and and that put me off calling myself a feminist for a decent amount of time yeah and yeah maybe maybe you know feminist has a has a branding problem but but i think that that's like it's so important to have like those ties to to where the movement has come from yeah does that does that yeah. answer the question you know that yeah, yeah perfectly so what does it mean to you what does what does feminism mean to you? yeah so it, it means kind of f- like fighting for and striving for equity for everyone regardless of gender it means like breaking down gender norms and yeah trying to trying to get the world to a place where i don't want to say like where gender isn't relevant but like where gender does not have the same like level of impact over Mm. people's access to to like opportunities to be their authentic selves yeah i think that's really important too that kind of differentiation between we're not saying it's not important at all and therefore you can't hold importance to it but just that it doesn't you are this and that doesn't equal anything else you you can just be that and that can mean whatever it means to you but it doesn't equal better opportunities it doesn't equal more respect it doesn't equal whatever yeah, yeah, and that's what I was saying before about labels and the power of labels is yeah. where they are empowering you and connecting you with other people with similar lived experiences. That yeah. can be a really powerful thing, but yeah, there's that harm of when you're just putting people in boxes, whether that box is woman, man, even even agender or non-binary. Like it's it's still a it's still a box, and people are actually like complicated. Yeah. 
Yeah. How do you? So I've talked a lot of talked to a lot of people now about. Well, I mean, the people who are usually coming into the space don't interpret man woman as the freaking signs on a bathroom. Like they mm. interpret. Most of the people who are coming here think about them as it is energy, right? And I'm interested to know what your what your feelings are, what your take is around masculine, feminine energy, yin yang, and how that plays out in your life. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting question for for you, dear listener at home. We've we've talked about this a bit a bit before, and have quite different, I guess, foundations of of coming towards this. I would say that, like, I think feminine and masculine energy have have a similar branding. Like, I'd yeah, I describe it as having like a similar branding to feminism, where they're tied in a lot of people's assumptions because of the language that is used to to I of like a gender binary and I, I, yeah I, I don't think that that's how anyone well I don't think that's how, how most people are like intending them to be meant I don't think anyone who you've got coming into the space will be making the argument that like only women can have feminine energy oh, yeah, no, of course. so I guess yeah I, I chafe a bit with the, the specifics of the language that's used but I, I think that the idea that like yeah different people absolutely have a different kind of energy and personality that they bring to different spaces Mm. and that for a lot of people that can be based on the way that you've been like raised as a kid which will have a have been impacted quite significantly by the gender that you were assigned at birth Mm. so yeah can I ask you what the process was like for you through that growing up stage what it was like how you interpreted yourself through growing up hmm I I don't think I really thought about gender a huge amount as a as a kid, which is, you know, the probably a, a sign of of mm. some male passing privilege there, right? Like it's male is the is the default, and therefore it wasn't something that I thought about. Or maybe maybe being more charitable, it's just like for kids, it actually doesn't have that much impact. You know, like as a as a kid, we'd have mixed gender sports teams in primary and intermediate school, and had friends who were yeah friends who were male, friends who were female, and like there wasn't a huge deal until like around the time the puberty starts kicking, and then everyone starts making jokes about it, and it becomes impossible for someone who's being read as as male to be friends with someone who's read as female without there being like a lot of there's a lot of pressure that comes from like other kids and like jokes about boyfriend girlfriend stuff, and it's for like. 12 year olds yeah. which is pretty messed up but and and you know that doesn't come from the 12 year olds that comes from all of the things that they've been taught and all the media that I've been consuming and yeah so I guess I found that even as a kid found that kind of stage of things a bit odd and frustrating and was never I don't think I've ever really actively pursued a relationship with anyone mm. and so I found that that pressure from other people and that societal pressure to be real or off-putting but it, that was more around like the relationship and didn't really tie an idea of gender until from my late teens mm. when I started really really thinking about it and started thinking of myself as a feminist and started thinking about kind of all of the all of the baggage that comes with being male and decided that that label just really didn't fit for me mm. what is that baggage you touch on that? Oh, just like all of toxic masculinity and, and the patriarchy. And <laughs> every time that I 
thought about what it meant to be male or, or asked what it meant to be male, the, the narrative that I got back from society was this idea of just not showing any emotions and repressing everything and being overly aggressive for no particular reason. Mm. And it was just really negatively coded stuff. And, and I don't think I had... I was going to say I don't think I had, had good examples of positive masculinity, but I don't, I don't think that's true. But I think that positive masculinity was coded as not masculinity. Right. Yeah. And part of me kind of struggled with that because the thinking was, well, do I try to continue to refer to myself as male and try to lead an example of what it means to be male in a positive way? Or do I just remove myself entirely from that category of people Mm. which is not to say that gender is a choice but more that that was what my I guess what my thinking process was around it was like oh do I have this duty to continue to think of myself as male so that I can be a a positive male role model Mm. and kind of realized that I was not making a choice based on or not thinking about it based on what felt true to me but more about like what was the better messaging for like other people which is not a good way to Mm. to to choose how to live your life and eventually kind of through all this thinking just realized that like this whole the whole idea of fitting in with one gender just really didn't speak to me and and it's not it's not been just about gender once you once you start rebelling against social norms it's it's real hard to stop um it becomes addictive and that's that's where my relationship style kind of comes into play as well and I've never been someone who's who's wanted to tie my identity to one specific label I find it really just really off-putting the idea of having to do that and I find it really off-putting when other people get their identity so wrapped up in one label whether that label is a gender or a political affiliation or a job or whatever it is if your whole identity is one thing then you are almost by definition you're going to be fitting yourself to that thing rather than fitting the ways that you identify yourself to who you actually are Mm. and so I've kind of been on a journey over the last 10 years of figuring out who I am and yeah, almost none of that has come back to, oh, I fit perfectly into this box. Mm. Yeah. Mm. How old are you, Tom? I'm 28. <laughs> he just he just had the last 10 years, and I just wanted to highlight that he's old as fuck. <laughs> okay, so I know that this is your favourite topic, and <laughs> maybe, and a lot of people have no idea what it is. Now, I know that you've talked on podcasts about this before, and so we can totally link those in to be like, hey, if you want to hear more about this, go ahead, find it here. But in terms of relationship anarchy, first of all, it'd be cool if you could give us just a definition, like how you see it, and then... I'm interested to hear how gender and feminism kind of tie into that subject, what you what you see the relationship between them as being. Okay, well, I'll start with the, the easy, yeah. e- easier question, which is just, just defining relationship anarchy. So relationship anarchy is the, the radical idea that a relationship and uh, the dynamic of a relationship and, and what's involved in a relationship should only be defined by the people in the relationship. And... What that means is that rather than, 
I guess tying into what I was saying before about like fitting into boxes rather than having your relationship with someone fit into a specific box, whether that box is boyfriend, girlfriend, partners, marriage, friendship, co-workers, whatever it is, rather than picking out this box of like, oh, here is what the relationship looks like and we need to fit everything that goes with this label. It's about creating the relationship yourselves and so having a conversation and openly communicating about like hey what do each of us want out of this relationship what are the things that we are after and and that could be any combination of things that could mean that you want to raise a child together and cohabitate and you know have a active sexual relationship and like lots of physical touch and cuddling and lovely evenings binge watching netflix it could mean that you want to catch up once every six months for just really intense passionate sex and not talk to each other outside of those times it could mean that you bake cakes together every saturday afternoon but whatever it is it's like it's defining the relationship yourselves and not having just because you've got one thing doesn't mean you need something else so just because you've got sex doesn't mean you need romance and vice versa Mm -hmm. just because you're cohabitating doesn't mean that you need to be sexually active whatever it is you get to choose what makes up the relationship and you get to choose those things individually and independently of each other so I, i think of it as is, is like rather than going to Ikea and buying like a, a kit set table and then assembling that you're you're going to the hardware store and you're buying your supplies and you're making the the table that you actually want together or maybe you want a chair or a stool whatever it is <laughs> yeah okay cool and so how do you think that that has a relationship with gender norms feminism yeah I, I think it's it relates to it through this idea of not having to fit with societal expectations. And I think that it's a really feminist idea to say, hey, we don't need to have a relationship that fits the way that society, influenced by the patriarchy, has told us a relationship needs to look like. And we get to choose what that looks like. And there's like, like there's aspects of like sex positivity and just building healthy relationships which I think tie really strongly into into those feminist idea ideals as well mm. um yeah it just it's just about like freedom to to do what you want and I guess a big part of it which I didn't touch on with the definition is like for for my interpretation of relationship anarchy having that relationship be built only by the people in the relationship also extends to like your other relationships which means that it's by nature a a polyamorous system where you can have like loving and fulfilling relationships with multiple people without worrying about the impact that one relationship is going to have on another relationship I guess with the exception of like acknowledging that everyone only has a limited amount of time and emotional capacity and Mm. if you are spreading that over more people you you know each person will possibly have less Mm. but like sometimes it's I don't think it's a zero-sum game where yeah yeah so I, I think you can you can absolutely have like meaningful fulfilling relationships with multiple people mm. and they don't take away from each other sometimes they can add to each other mm. Mm. Yeah. that's so cool it's so it's so wonderful I think to hear to hear you talk about this when you were saying before about the freedom thing it's like for me that that brings up this idea of choice right and it's like everything you're doing again it's this intentionality everything you're doing you're doing it because you're you're choosing to in relationship with that with that other person who's you know who you're having a connection with rather than like you said before this idea um of 
you were talking about binging Netflix for the evening, right? And when you said it, I immediately thought, I wonder how often, so I, I do that in my relationship. And I wonder how often I do that because I genuinely want to binge Netflix with the person I love. And how often I do it because I know that that's a, or I've been told that that's a kind of cozy, nice, romantic thing to do with mm. your partner. And I don't know. I, I It's so difficult. I'd have to really sit down each time and be like, but do I really want to do that? And sometimes, most of the time when you do it, you don't have the energy. The point is you're fucking tired. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this idea of a really intentional choice you're making yeah. with each person and each encounter. And it's, it's really empowering to realise that, like, you can you can know what you want out of a relationship and then, you know, share that with the other person and, and kind of set that as an expectation of like, hey, I want this thing out of our relationship. And that, that doesn't have to necessarily come with other stuff that you might not want. You get to you get to choose what you want. Obviously, you know, there are two people involved and you've got to, got to have some consensus building there. But it's, yeah, I, I think it's so much better to, to have that ideal than to just pick up this... Like the the cookie cutter relationship or the the white picket fence relationship, where mm. every relationship, you know, you you date for a while and then you move in together and then you, if you're not in our generation, you might buy a house and have two and a half kids and your your white picket fence, right? Mm. Like not every relationship needs to look like that. Your relationship can look however the fuck you want it to, as yeah. long as you can convince at least one other person that that's a good way for a relationship to look. Yeah, I think too people might listen to this and say, well, that's definitely not me. I'm not interested in polyamory, and. If even if that were the case, the principle behind this that you are um, intentional with your interactions and that you like you take that into every relationship you're with, even if you're monogamous with one person, is is so incredible. Like I remember talking to you about this the first time and thinking, shit, like I think I need to be bringing this into my friendships. I need to be bringing this into my relationships with my parents. I need to be not just fulfilling those roles, like you're my best friend and therefore we hang out this amount of times and you yeah, know, we have yeah. this amount of fun and like you're my mum and so we, you know, we see each other here and we call each other once a week, you know, like and and living a lot more through that. Well, what do I actually, what do I want? What do they want? How can we communicate? How can we communicate more and more and more? <laughs> so I think it's such an incredible principle to be living by even if it's not, even if it's not, you know, polyamory, and I'm I'm doing that. What are these called? They're like air quotes. Air quotes. Yeah. Polyamory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in your monogamous relationship as well. Like, what are we? Why are we having sex right now? What? Are, yeah. What is what? Actually, this ties in really well to. So my sister recently talked to me about disconnect, disconnecting. Un, if things are bound up and then you unbind, unbind them, you know that principle. I don't know I, what the do, word is, but you understand what I'm yeah, sa- what yeah. I'm showing you. Yeah. <laughs> um, love, intimacy, and sex. So, in each moment, sort of, not in every moment, but realizing which one of those things it is that you're wanting, which mm. one of those things your partner's wanting, mm. and how can you best access those? So maybe you just want to fuck. Maybe you want to fuck hard, and you want you just want that physical release. But maybe you want love and sex and so what does that look like how does it change maybe you just want in- intimacy so you just want to be holding hands you just want to be embracing 
you want to access that through reading next to each other. You want to mm. access it through having a spa, whatever it is. But realizing that as a society and as people who are sort of robotic, monogamous, you know, we do, often we follow it because that's the the conveyor belt that we're on. And realizing how mixed up those three are, and therefore how little we might actually be satisfied with what it is that we're getting. Yeah, yeah, I love that we're thinking about it. With with relationship anarchy, one of the things that was often talked about was like the relationship smorgasbord, which is like smorgasbord. Smorgasbord, yeah. So it's like all the different things that could be in a relationship that you can kind of pick and choose which mm. ones you want. Mm. But it's generally like I've I've seen it talked about, and I've talked about it in terms of like the big picture relationship. But I love that idea of like in the in the moment, not just what do I want from this relationship in the long term, mm. and what what are the possible aspects, but like of those possible aspects of the relationship, what am I actually after like now? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really cool way to think of it i also just want to want to touch on what you're saying before about like it applies to friendships and Mm. non-romantically coded relationships as well i think that we just we we all need to do a better job of communicating our our wants and needs and expectations in all of our relationships especially expectations man expectations are they're absolutely killer if we don't yeah yeah because no one else can read our minds right Yeah. And, like, no one's going to be making the exact same assumptions or having the exact same expectations that we're making. Mm. So we just need to use our words. Mm. Man, can be tough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but essential. Okay. My next question is, are there any, what are experiences where you feel in your life that I want to say, like, personal spaces where gender has been politicized or where you felt your experience was subject to politicization yeah like everything (laughs) (laughs) i thought you might say that (laughs) just just all of the time yeah um i think and, and you know that's that's not an answer that's that's just true for me i think that's an answer that's true for everyone is that like everything that we do is is politicized everything that we do is like that we live our lives in in society and society is politicized yeah for for me it it manifests the most in like the way because i've got a lot of like default privilege as in like a lot of the time i am passing for what society thinks of as the default person which is yeah. like white male middle class like I'm, I'm straight passing a lot of the times like it's yeah so i have a lot of like default passing privilege and so the ways where i really notice the the personal becoming political is where that privilege no longer exists mm. and for for me that's mostly around like gender stuff particularly like gender stuff on forms mm. which just like the amount of times that you are asked your gender when filling out paperwork for things that have nothing to do with your gender yeah. is just fucking ridiculous i remember one of the ones that really stands out to me was several years ago there was like lego was running a competition where you could like vote on user design things that they would then turn into an official lego set i don't even like lego that much (laughs) but i think it was a friend had designed something and and anyway for whatever reason i was going onto the lego website to like vote in this competition 
And the fucking Lego website asked me as I was creating an account, are you a boy or a girl? And I could not progress without answering that question. And that was just like, you're fucking Lego. What what difference does it make? Mm. And there's been so many things. Yeah, there were just so many times. And like, I, once you start noticing it, you can't stop noticing it. Mm. And for me, I notice it every time. And it's it's just like, yeah, why does my gender matter in this situation? Why are you asking me? And then even if you've, even if you had a good reason for asking me to ask and then only have answers that fit within a, a gender binary is like pretty pretty shocking especially it comes out of places you expect to be far more woke than that like yeah it's just it's just frustrating so that's one that comes up a lot and then the other one would be uh, a lot of the the polyamory stuff because we have a society that is kind of quite structured around monogamous relation monogamous romantically coded forever relationships and yeah, and and that's not just in a social way; that's in a legal and institutional way. Fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah. And so that's really frustrating. And I, I guess I'm kind of still have some level of privilege with that because I I don't have the same level of stress that I'd have, for example, if I was in a poly relationship and wanted to like have kids. Mm. That would be a, a significant problem. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're wanting to adopt. I've yeah. read a lot of cases on that. Yeah. It's really hard. I have a lot of follow-up questions. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to flip this question on its head, and I've never done that before. So we're, we're going into new ground here. Ooh. So you said your first answer was everything, right? Everything in society. Yeah. So what are what are some moments in your life where, it, where you felt the freedom of non-politicization? Ooh. I think in... In spaces where I'm just with people that I'm close to. So where I'm not having to interact with kind of the the st- structure of society. Mm. Yeah, but just, just in spaces with, with my whanau and being able to have really incredible moments of connection with a bunch of beautiful people and being able to wholeheartedly share myself and I am lucky enough and and prioritize highly enough those spaces that I I get that a fair amount of the time which is Mm. real fucking beautiful and Mm. I am very grateful for all of the amazing people in my life who support that and are are there for that Mm. not just like you know, re- reluctantly there for it, but also actively working to create those kind of spaces. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. It's almost like you're in those pockets. It's like you're sort of outside of society. You're almost out of the matrix for a second. Like you've stepped outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a lack of self-consciousness. You're yeah. just present. That's how I see it anyway. How I feel. I think, like. yeah, there's definitely a huge part to like just being present and... I think this is this is why almost everyone I know has like this this dream of at some point just like moving out to a tiny house commune and just like living off the mm-hmm. land with each other and mm-hmm. yeah yeah this is the dream for everyone right mm-hmm. and and it's because it, it's that chance to get away from all of these kind of institutional pressures and these these structures that don't actually make people happy whether those you know 
those structures are pretty all-encompassing right whether it's the patriarchy or capitalism or or western democracy (laughs) whatever it is it's just a chance to live a simple life and like be present with with where you're at Mm. that like freedom to to live your own life without feeling like you're having to fit someone else's narrative yeah well not even someone else's narrative but like this this collective narrative that we have built for ourselves that actually doesn't make anyone happy the the, there's an album that came out recently by the narcissist cookbook who is an artist who does like music slash poetry stuff that I am absolutely obsessed with. He uses the phrase when he's talking about like the way that society pressures people to live of of straight, cis, overworked and monogamous, which I think is my new stand-in for the white picket fence kind of idea. Because it ties into that structure, right? Like it's not just about the the way you're building your relationships, it's also the societal idea that you've got to to do the full-time job and and all of that stuff. And I, I, I find myself, the older I get, the more I am pushing against that for myself and for society in general. Mm. Yeah, I have two questions. Firstly, how do you, I guess, embody and live in this stuff whilst also working, having to work? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm hella privileged and I, I don't want to say like sold my soul, but I, I made a trade-off in my early to mid 20s that involved being well away from my like network of people but being in a high paying job and because of that I've because of that and the fact that I've given up on any hopes of ever owning property I've got a fair amount of financial freedom um, which means that I'm not in a position where I have to work a job that I don't want to at the moment yeah which is really cool and which means that I've been able to to create some space and then this year take on a job that's it's just totally in line with my values. Um, yeah. It is super, super fulfilling and rewarding. Cool. But it's still a 40-hour week, you know, a 40-hour-a-week yeah. job. <laughs> and it's still, like, a huge impact on on my life, especially with people that I love who are not in the same city as me. Mm-hmm. And I do sometimes struggle to create as much time and space as I would like for them and even for the ones who are in the same city as me because you know 40 hours a week is is a lot of your life as a proportion and so there is like a it it, it is a hard balance right and it's in terms of the intentional living it is something that I, I decided hey I am committing to this on a fixed term contract for a year and then at the end the trade-off's going to be different and, and next year I'm going to be, be doing some other stuff and hopefully have more time for focusing on on building positive relationships but that's a huge priority to me and and that's where with my with my financial stability I could be just having you know lifestyle creep and, and spending more money on a bunch of stuff that probably wouldn't make me happy but instead I, I choose to spend that money on maintaining my personal freedom as well as like trying to make the world a better place but the, the money that I'm not spending on on other people is the money that I spend on me is around like experiences and also I'm really conscious of trying to save enough so I don't have to work so that I can then have that time and flexibility yeah and then at work itself like I said my my current job aligns to my values and have an amazing amazing team of colleagues and feel like I can entirely be myself there which is yeah super super powerful and valuable 
Yeah. I mean, I'm a big proponent of if you have the, like, privilege to do so, just taking the the radical action of living your life in front of other people and, and not, like, apologising for it and not declaring it some of the time. Like, I know for some people, like, coming out can be a super empowering experience and I've been lucky enough that I've never never felt like I needed to come out to people so instead of just like I'm just going to live my life and if other people have questions they could ask those questions yeah. and yeah this my, my current workplace I've been able to just casually throw into conversation like references to oh, one of my partners or like yeah. talking about gender and, and like get people ask questions in like a curious but not confronting way yeah which has been really nice to be able to have those conversations with mm. people, especially talking about relationship anarchy because I, for, for me, it was like a huge turnaround in my approach to relationships kind of coming across that framework and, or at least it, it put a clear empowering label on something that I had spent a lot of time trying to figure out for myself mm. and has led to me having way more fulfilling and positive relationships Mm. And again, not just romantically coded relationships. Yeah. yeah. And so to be able to introduce other people to that idea, wherever that is, mm. but, but particularly be able to have those conversations with people that work is, is I think, a sign of how like close I can be to the people that I'm working with. Yeah, for sure, yeah. 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 My, um, my other question, what would you say to people who... Because I feel like jealousy as a symptom in society <laughs> is mm. very encompassing and probably one of people's main blocks to for themselves or in themselves or in their partner from actually pursuing something that they might want to or have an urge to outside of a monogamous relationship yeah what's your take on jealousy jealousy is okay i'm going to i'm going to i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a picture and then i might have to come back and and, and clarify okay. but je- jealousy kind of stems from insecurity right um, yeah. and and so to to people who are really struggling with jealousy i think it's it's it can be a good cue to ask yourself like where that's coming from and where the insecurity is so if you're for example jealous of the relationship that your partner has with someone else maybe that's a reflection that you're not particularly secure in your relationship with your partner and your value to them and and that's really powerful to recognize because then you can have a conversation with that and reaffirm things for each other and for for me part of the thing with relationship anarchy is that you're less likely to have that insecurity because you kind of know that this other person does have other people in their life and if they didn't want me in their life they would cut me loose Mm. and so you know that oh because I still have this relationship with this person they are choosing me not just that they chose me five years ago or ten years ago they are choosing me every day Mm. and they are choosing to prioritize our relationship every day and when you have that evidence that's a great antidote for insecurity when you've got that concrete like oh I can remind myself, you know, you might still get that negative self-talk, but you can remind yourself like, oh, actually we do have the stability and actually this person does want me here. Mm. And I think because of that and because of, I, I like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of self-talk and assessing your own thoughts and figuring out where, where you're coming from and being able to unpack that. And because I've been able to do that, I don't have issues with jealousy anymore. 
I still have the insecurity, but it stops at the level of insecurity, right? right? And because I can, I can talk myself out of that insecurity, which means that rather than jealousy, I get to experience what's called compersion, which is like the opposite of jealousy. Whoa. So compersion is, and I'm going to frame this in a way that sounds really, really loaded because it is, but compersion is where someone that you love has a positive experience and you feel happy for them. Right. Whereas jealousy is where someone that you love has a positive experience and you feel bad for yourself. Yeah. And, and I think compassion is so much more beautiful and like being able to experience that. And, and once you've got that security and once you know that the other person does love and, and care for you, or, you know, maybe they don't, but if they don't, it's better to actually figure that out. Mm. Otherwise you're, you're wasting your time, right? Mm. So it's... Yeah, comes back to like the the communication. Once you get the communication, that can help with your your self talk. And you you know everyone still gets insecurities. Well, I assume everyone still gets insecurities all of the time. I sure do. Mm. But you can you can have that self talk, and you can remind yourself of the of the fact that this person is still choosing you. And then then hopefully you can, rather than feeling bad that they've got this thing that doesn't involve you, you can feel happy that they have this other amazing thing in their life, mm. while still knowing that you are you are still a part of their life. Mm. Yeah. That's so cool. Compersion. Compersion. How great is it to have a word for something? I know. <laughs> I know that we said labels can be shit, but wow, yeah. they can yeah. be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's just it's just so beautiful to like yeah, to realise that oh, this person does still does still want me around. And I, I am hugely of the view that any relationship that ends if a relationship <sighs> Any relationship that ends should have ended, almost oh, like yeah. by by definition, right? Like, yeah. if a relationship is going to end, it is because there is an issue with the relationship, okay. and that's fine. Yeah. If the relationship is not serving both of the people in the relationship, if the people in the relationship, if even one of the people in the relationship is not getting out of it what they want to get out of it, then it should end. Because otherwise, you're just going to have like this recipe for like conflict and unhappiness. Mm. And I assume you're familiar with the scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset. Yeah. yeah. So the scarcity mindset is, oh no, this relationship is ending and therefore I'm going to be alone for forever. Whereas the abundance mindset is, I have multiple meaningful relationships in my life and I am going to continue as I go through this journey of life to meet new people and to, to build meaningful relationships with them. There are always going to be more people who... I can build something really positive with therefore if I have this thing that is no longer serving me then it you know it should be removed I'm pretty interested to think about how that plays out with family I have I have opinions on this (laughs) (laughs) goody (laughs) I am a huge advocate for cutting toxic people out of your life regardless of who they are. Mm. I don't think that's a particularly spicy take. Mm. Um, Maybe a more spicy take is that, like, the threshold for cutting people out of your life doesn't doesn't need to be aggressively toxic. It Mm. can just be, oh, they are no longer having a net positive impact on my life. And that absolutely extends to family. Obviously, with family, it is is more complicated. And when you're thinking about, like like I said, net positive impact on your life, the fact that they are family might mean that there are more kind of negative impacts that come from the process of removing them from your life. Like, there is always going to be an impact there, maybe on, like, relationships with other family members, maybe on, like, 
your personal stability like yeah yeah, absolutely that is harder to to do and that's something that goes into the equation when you're figuring out do I still want this person in my life yeah um but if if you kind of think about all of the impacts from either keeping this person around or, or cutting them out and it comes down on the side of cutting them out then like the fact that they are family is not worth anything of itself yeah 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 because I think too many people stay and it's the same for romantic relationships too many people stay in shitty situations because they are placing value on the relationship itself rather than thinking about the relationship is not is not an entity no it's it's nothing without Yeah. yeah, yeah 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 So it's just about what is the impact on on the people involved. And when you are choosing for a relationship that you are involved in, you get to be selfish. You should be selfish and think about the impact on you, right? Like you don't need to keep lighting yourself on fire to keep other people warm. Mm. Mm. Obviously, there are, you know, there are situations where you might be worried about someone's health if you leave them but that's not a reason to stay that is a reason to make sure that they have the appropriate support in place when you do leave Mm, yeah I also think there's the the, I mean the way I see it with especially with family and with friendships and relationships too is there's there's if I was going to see three options that were stay leave and in the middle would be transform Mm. and that would come from mad communication possibly therapy like whatever it whatever it is to like that would but it would take it shifting mindsets from from both parties if there's something that you know and and willingness on both sides because if you don't have the willingness on both sides then you can't transform and then expect them to transform too yeah Absolutely. Thank you so much for highlighting that. Like, I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely not a black and white no, yeah, I mean, binary, is, yeah. binary option. Um, all about crushing the binaries here. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, there is there is that middle ground. But as you say, like, that can be a lot of a lot of work. And sometimes yeah. the, like, best thing for you is to just, like, you, you can't fix everyone yeah. all of the time and you shouldn't feel an obligation to. Yeah, yeah. Who is someone in your life? that has been a massive role model or influence in this space. So in the space of like self-improvement, especially maybe to do with um, identity. I have two answers and I'm not sure if I'll get to the second one, but the, the first answer is is two people, my parents. Mm-hmm. I am their fault. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm a product of 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 their their genetics and, and them raising me and the situations that they allowed me to be exposed to as a child. But I, I think specifically in this space, like my my dad, um and, and that kind of comes from like my parents were really intentional about the way that they raised raised myself and my sister. And they had a lot of like conversations before you know, when before getting married, they talked about whether they wanted kids, and and they talked about what the finances were going to look like, and who was going to stay at home and look after the kids. And it was it was never an assumption that it was going to be my my mum staying at home, my dad working. It was very much like an open conversation, mm. and they they share housework and stuff like that. They just don't fit into traditional gender roles, mm. not in like a super in your face way. Uh, I think they'd be like gender role passing a lot of the time for for want of a better phrase but yeah my my dad knits and sews and 
cooks and cleans and, and you know is a functioning human um and i think that's yeah like the, the older i get the more i i kind of appreciate that i am who i am because of my parents and my upbringing mm. yeah so they're they're definitely and and yeah, not just on the gender or stuff, but on the like intentional approach to having a relationship, which I yeah. I thought that I was so fucking unique and like had figured all this stuff out by myself. And then a couple of years ago, started having more chats with my parents about their relationship, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we like had all these conversations about like, what are things." Are I'm just like, "Wait, but I came up with that. That's, that's, that's me, isn't it?" And yeah, so so cool. it's not even a thing that I directly got from them, but it's a thing that I guess through through the way like learn by observing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, rather than by by directly telling, yeah. and so that's really, really cool. Yeah. And then yeah, just like I grew up in a Wellington liberal bubble, so all of my friends are, are really awesome influences in like gender role spaces and feminist spaces, and just generally being a better person spaces, mm-hmm. and and yeah, for for gender stuff as well. Just, but I guess for me. My journey with gender is is also been somewhat tied to like my journey with with sexuality. Yeah, like I'm I'm straight passing in all of my current relationships, and and I mean partially, partially because I, I think being socialized male, you have far less experience or like you learn you gain far less ability to like build meaningful relationships with other people who are coded as male Mm. so I have less experience building positive relationships with men and men have less experience building positive relationships with people who present how I present and so just like far less likely to to have that foundation to build a romantic or sexual relationship on yeah yeah. Yeah. So it's not that it couldn't happen. Um, it's that the there's a lot more to yeah work through or it's like just 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 more more barriers more <laughs> yeah. barriers to entry a higher yeah. activation energy yeah and also like my my type is fairly like it's gonna say fairly like is 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 definitely like on the the feminine end of androgynous mm-hmm. but like somewhere somewhere in that space yeah. it's it, the, the spectrum of people that i am like attracted to covers includes more females than males i guess but that that ties into my experience with my own gender because like as soon as i'm like well i'm uh, i'm thinking of myself as a gender and like not conforming to gender binary it makes no sense to keep thinking of myself as being straight it's right. yeah, <laughs> exactly, like yeah. what does that even mean yeah 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 okay so before we move into the, the wrap-up questions, I want to do a two-word check-in, which have become my new favourite things. Okay, okay. Tom and I are part of a... Well, we're part of many different circles, but we're part of a book club who are currently reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle. You should, you should read it. If you're listening to this, if you enjoy this podcast, if you've made it this far, you should absolutely <laughs> read If you're at episode eight, read yeah. Untamed, Glennon yeah. Doyle. So two-word check-in. Cozy, mm. content. Mm. Mm. Cozy and content. I like those ones. Mm. So mine mm. is soft heart. Mm. That is lovely. 
It was going to be warm heart. <laughs> Soft heart. I was thinking when, as soon as I closed my eyes, I was like, hot, 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 yeah, hot. Yeah, I, I was resisting you. She's sweaty as well, my words. <laughs> so my final question for you is what's one thing that you're going to take away from our corridor, our time together in the microwave? Just one thing. Well, I mean... One of the things that I'm going to take away from this conversation, other than like the just the amazing vibes and the warm-hearted feeling, is is that idea that that your kind of reframing of of thinking about the the different aspects of a relationship that you want at a certain point in time. So that like that language to communicate, I think, is going to be is going to be really valuable. Um, yeah, and then also. Also, just every time I talk about relationship and I can communication, I think about the fact that like, oh, this, I can still like use my words more with people in my life. So mm. hopefully this is another good like reminder to continue to communicate. Yeah. And yeah. I massively feel that every time I have a conversation around open communication, I sort of have this wave of things that I actually have been wanting to communicate and, yeah. and haven't. Yeah. So it's it's that really beautiful reminder, like little nudge to... to yeah, just in case people listening were worried that we were perfect at communication. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Time. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> On a journey. Yeah. It's a journey. Okay, we're going to close with some I am statements. Now you know how these go, so I'm not going to tell you, so you can, you can start. I am open. I am a kaleidoscope of different things. I am at peace. I have both light and darkness within me. I make the rules here. <laughs> I am a feminist. Mm. It's something that, you know, 10 years ago, Tom might have struggled with. I am masculine. Mm. Mm. Ooh, that, one felt, that one hit different. <laughs> Undefinable. I am aware of labels in my life that don't serve me. <laughs> I am growing and learning and on a journey. Mm. Yeah. I could literally sit here and do this <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> Thank you for being here, for having an open heart, for sharing your mind with us. And I'm sure that people who listen to this will be intrigued as well as opened by these ideas. So thank you for being here and sharing them. It has been my absolute pleasure. 
thank you for having me here and for creating this beautiful cozy space both like the physical space we're in but the, the cozy space that you create within the the waves of the podcast mm. Mm.